I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how it's very, very sad when our dear friends pass away. Well, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to talk to pet bereavement counsellor Dawn Murray about her new book and about how she became a pet bereavement counsellor. Dawn Murray, thanks so much for coming on A Dog's Life. Hi, good afternoon, Anna. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me. No, no, gosh. Well, you've been, I think we follow each other on social media and I've been aware of your work as a pet bereavement counsellor. Yes, that's right. I've been doing that job now for about 20 years. So you must have been one of the first pet bereavement counsellors. Would you have been, Dawn? Uh, Yes, I believe I was um, because back 20 years ago, there was actually very little known spoken about on the internet about pet bereavement. There was only a few articles here and there. So it was really a, basically going into a sort of unknown quantity, really, to see what it was that people who had pets and were grieving the loss of them, what it was they were actually looking for. I obviously had my own experience, but it was very important for me to understand what that loss meant to other people. Yes, I mean, definitely. Gosh, I'm trying to put this into context, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, the internet had only really just begun. So there wasn't an awful lot really of anything, you know. I mean, Facebook hadn't started then. I mean, what a lovely era. And it's so good to, like you, you know, to remember that time, you know, when we didn't just ask Google everything, you know. But that's my cynicism coming out there, Dawn, a bit. (laughs) But no, I mean, this is it. But people have been coping. Well, or maybe not. I mean, the tragic thing is your pet is most likely going to die before you and you know you take a pet on understanding quite clearly in your mind that you know that all being well (laughs) your dog will reach 15 that would be very very good and sometimes though you know life throws curveballs and and life doesn't go according to plan and and many people call it that's life and what do you think about that no, that, that's true. And it's funny because, you know, it's one of these things when we get a pet, we do, the majority of people really appreciate that they will outlive their pets and that one day they will have to, to be faced with that absolutely devastating day where they will have to say goodbye. However, while we have our pets in our life, it doesn't tend to be something we think about. We tend to push it to the back of our minds. We forget all about it, which is good, of course. And it creeps up on people. The years pass by so quickly. Um, And, of course, not all pets um, live to old age, unfortunately. A lot of them are, are, you know, do die uh, younger through illnesses or accident. And... The people who care and love for their pets, who are part of their family and a big part of their family, are, are then left in in a 
totally unfamiliar place where they just don't know how to cope because we're not taught to cope with death. We're not taught to cope with loss. Um, and, and people just all of a sudden find themselves in this very unfamiliar territory and they just don't know where to turn to. They don't know how to cope. They don't know how to act. They don't know if they're grieving properly. Not that there is such a thing because mm. we all grieve differently. Yes, and that's something you've, you've got a book out, which I am getting through. It's quite an emotional read, really, if, you know, you have been well, you know what I'm finding so interesting in your book and I really want to talk about exactly what you said there that 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 everybody is an individual and everybody experiences individual grief and I think it's particularly important with pets because my dad died in 2001 and that was my first real encounter of death so I was only 36 then but that was obviously with with your dad so people kind of were able, other people had gone through that, everyone loses their father. So I felt I, I had much more of a support network around me really than when it came to the loss that totally devastated me. I mean, seriously, Dawn, I should have been a client of yours. I, I wish I had because it could have saved me a lot of, uh, a lot of wrong decisions, a lot of going off the rails, um, a lot of people losing faith in me, I think, you know, mm -hmm. because this was the strong Bull Terrier type Anna. You know, she's, she's crumbled, she's gone, she's lost the plot. So because Molly was a dog, and I think a lot of people try and help you with a dog, you know, because lots of my friends have lost dogs, but there is this utter anger inside you. And Molly's death actually was... <laughs> wasn't your straightforward situation so she was injured on you know on purpose in this you know village so I was very isolated so all these things you're saying if you're on your own I you know it, it, it's a terrible thing the loss of your pet it will you know and rightly so and yeah and I think it's brilliant that this book is kind of outlining different types of grief because there's lots of different sorts there is and and you know I think even you know somebody like myself who who has um sadly i've i've encountered loss many many times over the years um of, of both human and and especially all my my pets um we always always underestimate just how devastated we are going to be even even when no matter how well prepared we are um we always underestimate it um, and, and there are different types of, of grief, you know, for people who perhaps have been told that their pets have, um, if they've been diagnosed with a, 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 some sort of illness um, or the vet has um, suggested or started talking about euthanasia, straight away we we start going into this sort of anticipatory grief where we're already it's, it's also known as the long goodbye where we are already grieving for our future so we're we're still living with our pets and we're still enjoying them but we know we're going to lose them and we go through whole host of emotions now that doesn't mean to say because we start experiencing all these emotions prior to our pets dying that we're not going to have a sort of whole new wave after they have they have died but yes there's sort of um sort of a natural grieving um there's complex grieving prolonged grieving cumulative grieving 
traumatic grieving. And, you know, when when I'm speaking to, to some of my clients, you know, as soon as they start telling me their story, straight away, I am aware of what basically more or less the type of grieving that they're experiencing and that enables me to help them best and find a way forward to help them sort of navigate through all these um, the emotions um, and, and how they are physically affected as well because we obviously we become physically affected by loss so you know it's, it just gives us a better understanding of of, of what our what we are actually um, facing when we're grieving and it can be actually quite complex at times. Yes and you know it links into you know other mental health issues doesn't it really as well Dawn like depression anorexia even um, with my dad I remember I lost a, st um, a stone of weight in a week and the same happened with Molly. I, I just I just didn't eat. So, you know, and I know in the book you, you mentioned that. Well, actually, you also mentioned eating more. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> that would be me. No, but interesting you're saying this because, I mean, this podcast is being recorded at the most you know, ironic moment in time in that my cat, who's nearly 13, Gremlin, has just been, he's just had a full body ultrasound. And you remember, I come from the holistic side of the fence. So, you know, when the vet's going, well, you know, they're, they're looking for something vets, you know, don't, you know, obviously, you know, so he's perfect. I mean, they're like, oh my God, so his kidneys are so good. I go, right. And his bladder is absolutely brilliant. I go, right. And I'm just thinking, oh, where's the butt? But his small intestine has thickening. It could be something like irritable bowel syndrome, Anna. I go, yeah, but all inflammation can or can't be cancer, you know. So that's where he was going on it and everything. So this has just happened as of last Friday, and we're actually recording this on the Tuesday. So um, it's all like mad here, absolutely mad. So I've been, the bank holiday weekend's been like an emotional roller coaster because the other thing is he's now got diabetes, which is a symptom of something else. Because diabetes, you know, is generally in animals and people when they're you know fat and don't really eat the right diet you know that generally causes because in cats diabetes is it mimics type 2 diabetes in humans so arguably fixable but then gremlin's been eating a raw food diet all his life and has never been fat so um it's not that so we're just working things out yeah yeah so i am doing the prolonged goodbye <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a lot to process it really is it's, it's an awful lot to process and you know, um, certainly, you know, with with, with the advances in, in in veterinary care and and especially, you know, when when people start introducing the holistic side as well, um, there is so much that we can do um, to help our pets. But obviously, ultimately, yes, we want every single moment, second of their lives to count. We want it to be so special for them, and. Um, that's not always easy when we know something they don't. But you see, I think they know without question. Um, I think they know, you know, because they know that their own body chemistry is changing. And they also know, I mean, with me, I've got two other animals in the home. I've got Prudence, who's just... Oh dear, a, a living miracle, I think we should say. Um, and Mr. Binks is um, my little quirky toy terrier who is a, a little miracle in himself. And um, they all know because the dogs can smell it. 
I'm not entirely sure on that. But then, then, oh gosh, he came out, we got back on Fridays to make you laugh at a bit of, you know, this is obviously an announcement I'm doing here as well. So he'd had this ultrasound all day. Anyway, he'd gone hyperglycemic and he wouldn't eat and he was feral. He had gone feral. And oh gosh, he fell into the neighbor's pond. I mean, I was freaking out. I was thinking, what have they done? And then the vet said, oh, Anna, I don't think he liked being poked and prodded. I'm thinking, no, God, he clearly didn't. And then oh, so he ends up having a punch up with the fox. Anyway, long short of it is I went to bed one in the morning. He still hadn't come in. I'd given him his insulin, you know, whatever. I'm not, that's what I've got to do at the moment. And you know, I was thinking I'm going to write to Adam the vet in the morning and say, sadly, you're probably, you know, he's dead. So, you know, he had an altercation with the fox. And anyway, I fell asleep like this. And then you know, I woke up and on Saturday morning and there's Gremlin lying on my chest, staring at me. And I thought, crikey, what is going on? And, and it's just been such high stress and high adrenaline. And that's also what I've got to keep a check on big time. Although Gremlin's almost unflappable, but whatever. Yeah, he came. He, it was almost I thought, gosh, he's gone and committed suicide because he knows we were having a conversation. So he's just, you know, walked into a huge fox. Yeah. <laughs> Although I should clarify that. Well, um, I, th- I think I think they know an awful lot more than 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 we ever give them credit for. I think our animals are exceptionally clever um, and I think they do know. So I don't know whether we are trying to protect them or they are trying to protect us. But certainly they do carry on much in a manner that, um, you know, they are very much living in the moment and enjoying all the simple things in life, you know. Um, it's it's our anxiety levels that tend to to go very very high um, in that sort of anticipatory period, where we're we're constantly just living in limbo. Yes, like that, and we're thinking, well, where are they? What are they doing? Are they coming home tonight? Or, you know, um, it is quite a worrying time for us. Yes, and looking at the book though, remind me what is it called? Uh, it's an introduction to pet bereavement counselling. So is this book for people who want to become a pet bereavement counsellor or is it for someone like me? Well, <laughs> I'm loving it, by the well, way. It's it's very psychological, which I love because, you know, I've studied psychology. You know, I love it. I think it's very interesting, to be honest with you. It's important, I think, for everyone to read this. I mean, a friend of mine, when they got their puppy, a friend of, their, of hers gave her a book. It was all about the, you know, how to cope with the death of your dog, because, you know, on the one hand, you're bringing in a puppy and, you know, you have to accept that one day that that grown up dog won't be with you. And that was her welcoming gift for um, her puppy, a book about how to cope with bereavement. I know an interesting (laughs) gift from someone, would Mm -hmm. you think? Yes. um, You know, I I just feel that initially when... um, the, the, the idea of the book came about because um, I, I do quite a lot of teaching about pet bereavement. Um, and over the years, people have said to me, veterinary staff, uh, psychologists, counsellors have, have said to me, is there a book that tells us how to be a pet bereavement counsellor? And I've always said, well, no, there's not, but there's plenty of pet loss books out there. So I thought, 
I, I've been asked repeatedly, and and especially over the past two years, um, a lot of the students have said to me, "Don, why don't you write the book then?" <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, and I'm well, I'm not a writer, Anna. You know, I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm, there's certain things I do maybe do well, which is listening, but some of the other things I don't do particularly well, like writing. But I thought, right, okay, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. So I thought I'll write this book for people who want to become pet bereavement counsellors or at least have a knowledge in how to support others through the loss of a pet and how just to, to, to show the, the sort of differences between the loss of a human um, and comparison to the loss of a pet but also the similarities in how we we, we cope and and how um, our grief is is perceived by other people so I do put it I was aware that there will be people who lose a, a companion animal or who perhaps they have elderly companions that that they may say oh I'll have a wee look at this book and there, there may be the odd sort of paragraph here and there that makes for uncomfortable reading and they might not particularly want to know that information at this particular stage. Um, the majority of it, yes, it is very much anybody could pick up the book and look at it and read it and 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 maybe, you know, sort of follow somebody else's journey because we've got a lot of stories in there from other people who who have, have already been down that journey. Um, so you know, anybody can read it, but I do have a, a, a sort of, if you like, a, a, a short disclaimer at the beginning, you know, that there may be, be parts of the book because obviously in order to prepare somebody who wants to support others through pet bereavement, they have to realise that some of the stories that we are told um, can be very uncomfortable because, you know, we are animal lovers. I've, I've got my own dogs. My, my own cat only passed away last October, who was my office companion uh, for many years. So, you know, we, we are animal lovers and we have to be very careful that we are not taking too much of the, the, the sort of emotions of other people on board and they, they start affecting us because then obviously we won't be able to go on and continue to help other people. No, absolutely. I think, you know, that's so true, you know, with um, all carers, you know, the NHS and uh, everyone, it's a very, very draining emotionally. But at the beginning, you you have a phrase and, and it was brilliant, actually. And this is when I thought, gosh, I wish I'd known Dawn in 2015, <laughs> is you, you basically say, I think, help pet guardians, you know, traverse this phase, this loss with dignity. <laughs> and the dignity bit, I didn't do it all. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's, it's funny, Anna, because when, when a lot of people are recounting their stories and, and, and their perception of what they did, and quite often I'm listening to a lot of the stories of my clients and I'm thinking, wow, do you know what? There's so much good of what they did do. Um, and quite often in our grief and our bereavement, and I do it myself, I must admit, I think everything that's in the book I have experienced personally, we do tend to be quite hard on ourselves. We don't tend to give ourselves much of a break and we want to sometimes we know we we self-blame we we look at things and think oh i wish i'd done something differently when in actual fact we do the best we can at the time yeah no it's true but why is guilt synonymous then with grief ah right <laughs> and of course guilt plays such a huge huge part in in pet bereavement um 
I mean, massive. I'm already guilting out about Gremlin that maybe I was giving him some a couple of sachets of processed food um, in the first three months of this year due to being busy and all the rest of it rather than preparing his raw meal as I normally do. He, he ate raw every single day, but he was getting very picky with his eating. So it'd be like, nyeh, nyeh. so, you know, stick a stinky sachet, not mentioning any brands, um, <laughs> you know, he'll be, oh yeah, junk food, amazing, you know, cheers, mom. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll be like, great. And la, la, you know, and it was very like that, you know, so, so you, I don't think he had enough of that for this to be, but you know, you never know. I mean, this is a thing. I know a couple of people, you know, whatever, you know, gave their dog just one thing of something and all sorts of bad things happen. So you, you, you never know, although, so, but I mean, I can't think like that, can I? No, and you know, it's very easy. Now, and you know, guilt is fine in grieving. It's perfectly normal to, to, to for us to sort of dip in and out of a wee bit of guilt. You know, I, and, and that can be anything from somebody remembering when they gave their pet into trouble for something. Now, that was in the pet's best interest. However, you know, <laughs> we are then left carrying the guilt right through to somebody who let their dog off the lead and you know sadly the 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 dog ran off and perhaps was tragically killed on the road or or the railway line um it is a it is a, 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 a it is our imagined or perceived thoughts, if you like, um, and quite often, you know, it's, it's it's slightly distorted that we have done something wrong. Um, because, like you say, with the example of the food, yeah, junk food, <laughs> you know, and yet we are we we are the ones that are carrying that junk, uh, that that guilt, whereas our, our companion animals may think, oh, this is quite good, you know, um, but. You know, we, we, we do tend to, because it's guilt plays such a huge part in pet bereavement, it is something that we tend to, to, to focus on a lot. And it is very important, especially from somebody, you know, like myself, a pet bereavement counsellor, that we um, look to ways where we, we sort of reframe these thoughts because there, there's always usually two sides to, to, to everything. Um, you know, so when somebody is, is of having these of, you know, maladaptive thoughts, what I do is I just try and reframe them. So, for example, you know, um, if somebody is thinking that they, they didn't do enough, um, we need to look at actually what they did do. Um, if somebody is focusing on the fact that they had to make the decision to euthanize the pet, what I do then is we talk about the fact that they they were the ones who in fact actually have saved their pet from a lot of suffering, which is a very selfless decision, you know, made from love. And just being able to 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 just turn somebody's thoughts around is is quite often enough to keep that anger can uh, I beg your pardon the guilt contained before it starts developing and it can lead into to anger um that sort of self-blame and that can be a very very downward spiral for somebody to go on mm, mm, no I, I know I know I I've been there <laughs> oh, yeah. but you know a friend of mine Oh, gosh, you know, um, was absolutely heartbroken because he innocently gave his dog, um, you know, a flea parasite control tablet. And, you know, that same day, Charlie went down and 
three days later, he'd passed. And I remember my friend saying to me, Anna, Anna, I killed my dog. And I had to say, no, you didn't kill your dog. Look, it's and so on. You know, it was really difficult. Did I kill my dog with that flea treatment, Anna? Did I? And it is a brand of flea treatment that, you know, I've been reliably told it's mostly sold in America. You know, don't use that one, really. So I'm making sure I don't mention any brands <laughs> or say anything I shouldn't say. And well, everyone knows who listens that, you know, I don't give my dogs flea and worm treatments. You test before you treat. And I mm. think, you know, maybe that this is a little reminder of people to do that because my story is a, a true one. And mm. still, though, two years later, my friend will remind me, but He's stronger about it now, but that will resonate with him for the rest of his life. And that's a big discussion there, you know, um, involving vets and over over medication and so on and so forth that can cause, you know, illnesses and, and in certain incidences. You know, Dawn, it's a very complicated, complicated situation, isn't it, with death? It is, and and you know, there's every everybody has a different experience. Everybody has a different story. Um, and while, like I said before, there are similarities, there are parallels. Uh, everybody's journey is very unique, and it's it is such. It can be from the majority of people such a difficult difficult time and because of course um it's not everybody that understands um pet bereavement and it comes under the the banner of disenfranchised grief people do find that they are hesitant in who they can turn to to get that additional help and support and quite often you know people aren't necessarily looking to be counselled per se you know whereby they're looking for something very structured over a six-week period an hour every week and you know they've got homework to take away with them they are just looking for somebody who really understands what it's like to suffer the loss of a pet and that 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 more often than not is 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 all people are looking for is somebody to talk through how they're feeling their their guilt their anger you know even if they're bargaining and and looking for ways to find some acceptance uh for the loss of their pet and the best way to 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 move forwards with their grief it's funny, isn't it? So I grew up in a home with you know, my dad, who was born in 1920, actually. And so, you know, when um, our last Springer died, Tina, dad said, right, Anna, come on, we're going up now to um, the National Canine Defence League to pick up this Cocker Spaniel. Just literally, that was the way to do it. The hair of the dog cure. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, I see this happening, you know, a lot. And I think it is often a very good thing to do. What do you think, Dawn? Well, everybody's different. Everybody's entirely different. You know, for many years, uh, I worked as a pet undertaker and uh, I went to a home one day and I collected a much loved dog. I mean, the the dog was absolutely loved and adored. Uh, I went to the crematorium and when I went back later um, to see the family with with their beloved dog's ashes, there was another dog sitting on the couch. Um, And I went, oh, who's this? You know, didn't know you had another dog. And they said, no, we just got him. Um, just got them this afternoon and I was like all right okay fair enough 
And then, of course, <laughs> the other side of the coin is that um, people will say to me, oh, Don, I'll never, ever get another dog again. I'll never get another dog. And I keep thinking, that's that's such a shame, you know, because there's so many dogs out there are looking for good homes, you know. But, you know, they can still be. It depends on how long people want to, to you know, how long it's taking them to process their loss and when they feel comfortable to introduce um, another companion because it's a whole new relationship and they have to be ready to take on a new relationship where it is you know they're going to give that dog or cat or whatever bird um their 100 percent devotion um without trying to make comparisons although i've had a few slips of the tongue with you know i've got <laughs> two young dogs now and i i have occasionally gone through the entire list of dogs i've had previously before i get to the right name um <laughs> Just, just, you know, sort of just not focusing, really. Yeah, yeah. In comparison. But, yeah, that, but, you know, a lot of people, I've, I know several friends and, and I did that as well. But the thing is, you do have to accept you're not bringing the old dog back. Although there will always be breed similarities, you know, with a bulldog, for example, or a bull terrier, because they're, they're so kind of idiosyncratic, shall we say, yeah. that they've got similar traits. But, you know, that idea of just bringing them back. So that's so what I wanted to do with Prudence and bring Molly back, you know, um, yeah. that she would do that. So as our bond, she would come back and be reborn as the bull terrier puppy I chose, you know. But it didn't mm -hmm. quite work out like that. And, um, and that's something I think. But then you see it's all about creating a new chapter because dogs do that's something my dad told me dogs define chapters in your life and he is so right and he'd had that obviously through his life and mm -hmm. a new chapter you know chapter closes and a new chapter begins and that I think is always very important because you know every dog in your life teaches you so much which sounds a bit you know saccharine or, or you know over overused but it is true and because it is a different dog you know and they're going to have different behavioral issues they're going to have different triggers they're going to have different likes and dislikes and all the rest of it and it's a new journey mm -hmm. it, you know and that's the reason for the hair of the dog cure I think it is. I mean, I, you know, people have said to me, my goodness, Don, how long did you wait between, you know, losing one dog and 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 and, and sort of introducing a, another dog into the home? And I said, oh, well, it varied. Sometimes it was a week and other times it was three, four months, you know. Um, I, it was just the circumstance at the time. It was me looking, looking for the right dog. And you know, all all like you say, Anna, all these relationships teach us something. They really do. Every single one of my dogs has been different. And I've been so grateful and, and privileged to have had them in my life, you know. And I think it's important for people to to remember that, you know, when they are starting to develop a new relationship with a new dog or a new cat or whatever, is that they straight away they say oh but I would feel guilty because you know what if, if my last dog or cat feels that I'm betraying their memory when in actual fact what we will have to work on is saying well no actually we're going to bring their memory they're not going to be forgotten we're always going to remember them however this is a new relationship you know um even with my youngest um 
one of my youngest dogs at the moment. I've got a couple of whippets. And uh, my youngest, Georgia, I, you know, I might say, oh, your Uncle Presley wouldn't have done that, you know, or your Uncle Presley would do that. You know, it's just these fun ways of keeping the memory of a dog alive that I've had before that I loved very much. But this is a whole new relationship that I have now. Um, yes. and, and, and we love them all so much. Yes. And having a dog, you know, you've got to walk it, you're meeting people, you're getting, you know, all the benefits dogs bring to us that if you don't have that at all in your life, gosh, I think it would be a very sad life to live indeed myself. <laughs> and even, even with, you know, any companion animal, because people still are, are looking to go out to go to the pet shop to get their food or, you know, and they're interacting with people they're getting, they can be talking about their, their, their animals, they're speaking to the people at the pet shop, they're getting out. So there's so many benefits from from having any type of companion animal in your life. They're, they're, they're just marvellous. I know they really are, but just so we're running out of time. But what I what really stood out um, in the book actually was that dogs are obviously, I understand that, you know, the most grieved pet apparently. Cats are second, which bearing in mind there are generally more cats always in this country than dogs, might be different mm-hmm. now post all this p- pandemic puppy boom. And then goldfish come last. But guess what? I have grieved so much over my goldfish over the years at dawn um I'm you know I'm not very good with death I don't think um my the worst one was Gadget my amazing Blackmore goldfish that I'd had for four years I mean anyway dawn we could talk for ages but, but cats surely are just as important as dogs Oh, they are. Absolutely. Um, And yes, it's something that I sort of refer to as the hierarchy of loss within. And this is within, you know, people who who have animals and love animals. They they, they tend to sort of um, somehow put them into this level of importance of of whether we should be grieving or not. Because it was really funny. And I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, When my Staffordshire Bull Terrier died um, just um, four years ago now, I was inundated with cards, flowers, messages, presents, you name it. And when my cat Hilda died uh, last October, all I got in was a card from the vet. To say, you know, condolences for, for, you know, your loss of Hilda. And um, people would, I would say to people, oh, Hilda died. And they would say, oh, did she? And, and. And, and that was just basically it. And yet when Andy died, you know, there was almost like the ripples of grief that spread out among so many people, even friends and neighbours. Yes. You know, we're, we're sort of coming to the door and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Whereas with Hilda, it, it, it you know, and I, I, you know, to be on the receiving end of that, considering the type of work that I do, even I found it a bit, ouch <laughs> oh I'm sorry about Hilda I mean cats gremlins my first ever cat actually Mm-mm. so um he's extraordinary and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm told that he's not like a normal cat because he was raised by Molly um as a stray kitten yeah. and he just moved in he chose us mad mm-hmm. Molly hated cats it was not it was the most extraordinary thing so no Cats are super, super creatures, um, uh, superpowers. So just remind us of the title of the book, but all that, because you can buy it on Amazon, can't you, the book? 
Yes, it's available on Amazon, hardback, paperback, or on Kindle, and it's called An Introduction to Pet Bereavement Counselling. Brilliant, and the links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you, Anna. It was lovely to chat to you. That's our show, Mr Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know, it is really quite sad, but it is something that we all have to face. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. (coughs) Always remember that time with our pets is too short, so be sure to make the most of every day. (coughs) Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. It really makes a big difference. Thanks again, of course, to Dawn Murray for joining us today. And all the links to Dawn and to her book are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. If you subscribe now, which is totally free, You'll never miss another show. Go on, do it today. Bye for now.